Kessel slows the progress towards the line. Kept in the zone by Stevenson. Left circle, centered, score! Barbashev at the back door! Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Marcheseau, right side, feeds Eichel, opens up, he shoots, he scores! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Here's one for you as we put our six down and drop the puck for hour number two of the VGK Insider Show. On two occasions, the Vegas Golden Knights have lost game one of a series and have rallied off four straight victories. Uh, in one case, it was down 2 nothing mm-hmm. uh, against the Colorado Avalanche, and then uh, they they rallied and, and won that series and went on to the to the third round and in 2018 the Vegas Golden Knights dropped game one in Winnipeg and remember that was craziness everybody thought it was over for the miracle run for the Vegas Golden Knights and they turned around and won the next four and advanced to the Stanley Cup final I'm not saying that it's going to happen that way this time but it is possible the franchise has done it uh, twice in this uh, their well twice in their first four playoff appearances uh, this being number five in year six of the franchise uh, Vegas and uh, the Winnipeg Jets tonight game two it was a convincing 5-1 victory for Winnipeg in game number one Vegas has a lot of things that they would like to correct urgency uh, execution uh, they goes those go hand in hand mm-hmm. uh, defensively though they weren't bad in, in game number one. And anything that the Winnipeg Jets were able to really gather did come off. Maybe a couple of poor handles by the goaltender to the defenseman. A couple of uh, giveaways uh, that turned uh, into chances for the Winnipeg Jets. So certainly a line change that got, got away from them. Uh, but uh, when it came to just def- flat-out defending five-on-five head-to-head, that's, that's an area that... Uh, Vegas wasn't disheartened with. No, I thought in their own zone they they did a pretty good job of of keeping most things to the outside. Uh, I do think that, you know, with the Winnipeg Jets, they did get some odd man rushes going back the other way against the Vegas Golden Knights, but that speaks to what you were just talking about. There were some mistakes. There were some uncharacteristic turnovers. There were poor line changes, inability to get pucks out of the zone in certain situations that come back, and, you know, it leads to Blake Wheeler's third goal, the, the third goal of the game, which I, really was a backbreaker. So uh, in terms of that, I think in zone, I didn't have any issue with how the Golden Knights defended, and, you know, I, I expect that team to clamp down even more in terms of the odd man rushes and the mistakes. Now, I still don't know how the Blake Wheeler goal happened. Not just from the shot, but how possession was gained when it looked like it was a 50-50 battle in the zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, how Wheeler got to the front of the net. How he got so wide open in in front of the net. Uh, that, in as much as the, the Connor goal and the Dubois goal uh, were, were mistakes that you would like to correct, uh, the Wheeler goal showed the level of disconnection in-game by Vegas to the the entire part of it. it it was an opportunity to get that puck out didn't happen then there was some confusion then uh there was uh some passiveness in not trying to uh, force the issue uh be safer instead of uh involved and ended up in the back of the net and uh that play really was a, a a clear translation of what happened in the overall game yeah it it was just one of those plays where everything that that kind of could go wrong does go wrong and you're not in sync you're not 
kind of picking up the coverages and, and for Blake Wheeler, like full credit for, for finding a way to get lost in the zone. Um, and it took a couple of bounces to find his stick in the slot, but it, it, you know, those are the types of plays that, that happen when, you know, you're, you're unable to win that battle. You're unable to get the puck out when you think you should. And, and that's sometimes when, when pucks end up in the back of your net, everybody, we're going to play a game right now. Chapman, you're involved in this. So put your hands together and uh, flex out those fingers and uh, get fired up. We are going to play at what point in game two, do you look up at the scoreboard and at the shot clock and say, They've already got as many shots as they had all of game number one. This is a serious question. <laughs> it, it'll give me an idea of where you are. And people at home listening to the radio, in the car, coming to the game, running around with your kids. Uh, at what point tonight will the Vegas Golden Knights hit the 17-shot mark, which is what they totaled for all of game number one? Let's start with Ryan. Oh, yeah. I'm going... I'm going 18 minutes into the first period. Wow, 18 minutes yeah, into the game. I, I that, think that I think, is a blitzing yeah. on behalf of the Vegas Golden Knights if they have 17 shots with two minutes to go in the opening frame. That is very optimistic. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I think the Golden Knights come out in this one, and I think that they have shot-first mentality. I think they have the puck for the majority of the first period, and I think they're going to get their shots through to Connor Hellebuck. I want to hear from everybody out in the Twitterverse. Uh, send a, a note over to Ryan the Hockey Guy or Magnum702. You can tag me on it if you want, but I'm just curious what you think will be the moment in the game. First period, like Ryan... Or will it be in the second period, third period? And I certainly hope that it does happen at some point during the game. When will Vegas hit the 17-shot mark, which will equal the number of shots in game number one? Chapman, where are you? Well, I'm optimistic, but I don't think I'm as optimistic as Ryan. Oh, come no, on. I meant where are you? No, I, 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 I think... Are you in the studio or where oh, are oh, you? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm in okay, the studio, good. yes, good. yes. I, I think they're going to have a lot of shots early on. Uh, but I think it does carry into the second period. I'm going to say at the five-minute mark of the second period, so 25 minutes into the game. 25 minutes? That is still very optimistic. First 25 minutes, 17 shots, uh, I like it. I like where you guys are going. I, I understand uh, Ryan's philosophy that it's going to be a shot-first mentality. What do you think uh, allows them to hit the 17-shot mark uh, 25 minutes into the contest, Chapman? Well, I, I, I think... They're going to feel like they have to come out and, and put pucks on the net, right? I mean, that was something that they obviously did not do in game one. I think I, I think they're probably going to draw a couple penalties. Maybe they'll have a couple opportunities on the power play, and that should help a little bit. Hopefully the power play goes a little bit smoother than it did the other night. But I just think, they're like, like you said, there's going to be a shot-first mentality. I think you, you, you have to put shots on, on Hellebuck, but I think you have to make them quality shots. See, that's the thing. You've got to be smart about it. You can't just come out and blitz it from the hash marks on the side. Yeah, you've you got to get that, them through. That's not going to do anything for him. Yeah. So I, I, I do think they're good. I, I, I'm just anticipating them to come out and, and play fired up tonight. Mm -hmm. I think I think when, when, when listening to Mark Stone talk, I, I think he, he, he kind of you know was, was on board with, we've been here before. It's not the first time we've, we've been down in a series. I mean, look, they were down two games to none to Colorado a couple of years ago. So this this core group has been through it. I don't think there's going to be any panic in the room, but I think they all know to a man that they need to be better than what they were on on Tuesday night. 
They so, take a they take a commercial break at the ten minute mark. Uh, first whistle mm-hmm. after the whistle. Uh, first whistle after the ten minute mark of the second period. That's you. That's when you're going to look oh. up and you go seventeen shots. Oh. It would be a thirty four shot total, mm-hmm. roughly. If you, if you double that, that would be uh, right in the wheelhouse of uh, of a good performance. Uh, but I'm I'm going to go ten minute mark right in there of of the second period. Send us a note on Twitter. Let me know exactly where you're thinking when the Vegas Golden Knights will equal the number of shots in that uh, uh, from that game in the, in the opener. I've got reactions for you. Let's go. Like All right. Al says first period. Eh, that's a specific. Stephanie says first shot of the second period. So a prolific oh. first, and it carries over first shot into the second period. Uh, Scholey says three minutes into the second period. Gilda Jester says two minutes left in the first. So great minds think alike there. Okay, hold on. Uh, that was uh, the jester? Yep, yep. Two minutes left to go in the... First period. Same as me. Are you the Are you the jester? No, I'm not. Are you? I'm not. Really? No. Because me and the jester don't get along. Yeah, I mean, because we, that have, would, that we have that in common too. Yeah. That that That's that good. would fit. Yeah. That you guys are both grumpy pants. Uh, I've got, but, uh, I've got so, John saying... So two minutes to go in the yep. first period. I've got John saying late first. Wow. I've got Ron saying three minutes into the second period. Uh, okay. That was Ron. Yeah, Ron. Um, do you want do you want less optimistic takes? Too, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. Wait, hey, we, so, whatever. We, the, we we don't okay hold anybody. No, that's uh, fine. Outside the door, just because you don't agree with us. Okay, I still want to hear from you. All right, Shea Theodore's missing tooth. That's a that's a handle. Uh, game three. Oh, game three. Not exactly feeling it there. Yep. Uh, Scott says fifteen minutes into the second period. Win OC says early in the second period for me, and that's what we've got so far. That's great reaction. Thank so, you, yeah. everybody. Yeah. Uh, by the way, Shea Theodore's missing tooth. Yep. Just trying to be funny. Doesn't really feel that way. <laughs> There's no way you have a Twitter handle, Shea Theodore's missing tooth, and I've seen that uh, that come across my timeline, yeah. especially for the For You page now. Can I get rid of that, please? Um, well, you should uh, not, not Shea Theodore. Should. Not Shea Theodore's missing tooth, uh, but uh, <laughs> but the for you page. I'm like, well, what are all these people I don't follow? Well, uh, you're, do you're not dropping page. that game three yeah. uh, thing without just trying to be funny when you have a handle like that. See, so you can get rid of the for you page because I thought it's two different tabs on my uh, my screen. Well, no, you just go to the following page and don't. Uh, I always have to do that, but then it just no. It, it should defaults. be there. Boom, boom, boom. It should be there anyway. Uh, oh, by the way, did you realize that you lost that your bench blue brace? Che- no, no, no. You lost your blue check mark. Oh, good. That's finally yeah. happened. Good job. Uh, I'm not, uh, uh, I've been waiting for that. We were talking about it at yeah. work the other day. Yeah. Uh, thank goodness I don't have to worry about that thing anymore. Now, yeah. I, can get, now I can tweet whatever Such I want. Now, source no, of stress for you? Now I can tweet whatever I want and just say, no, it wasn't me. I had nothing to do with that. Saying those mean things about Chris Chapman. There's no way I would say those mean things uh, about Chris Chapman. Uh, here's a, an idea of the Vegas Golden Knights being on their game. You're watching the first period. You're about 15 minutes in, and you go, boy, are they ever crisp coming out of their own zone mm-hmm. and getting the puck up. And this is not on the defenseman. This is on goaltender, blue liners, and most importantly, wingers. Mm-hmm. If the wingers are in the right spot early and the defensemen don't have to wait to move that puck up, things happen much cleaner. 
Uh, the passes are more on the mark, and that is crispy when it comes to the breakout. That leads to a more effective entry into the other team's zone, which is in this case is, is the Winnipeg Jets, and you're able to put the puck in a better spot. If you carry it in, that means you're going and you've, you've moved so fast. Uh, Winnipeg Jets haven't been able to set up their neutral zone uh, system. Uh, if you have to dump the puck in, you can put it in a better spot and you can get on it. You're not chasing your tail. You're not just trying to get it in and then coming up with a plan to get after the puck. Uh, you're, you're actually uh, three steps ahead of the Winnipeg Jets in that regard. But watch the exits mm -hmm. from from the Vegas Golden Knights. Not necessarily D to D if if uh, and and taking their time, but how fast, crisp, and tight things are. It's 185 to 145 feet away from Connor Hellebuck, mm -hmm. but it was a major stumbling block for Vegas at times the other night, and it wasn't as much what Winnipeg was doing. Mm -hmm. It was purely that. Things weren't sharp. They weren't crisp, and pucks were bouncing around or off the mark, or maybe a puck pass was in skates, and you had to kick it up, and by then they're on you, and, and, and you can't get in. Uh, it'll, it'll be a huge benefit to the transition game and any zone time mm -hmm. uh, if the Vegas Golden Knights can clean that up. So keep an eye on that. I was talking to somebody uh, in the hockey world earlier this morning, and we had a big, long discussion. This is their take on it, mm -hmm. uh, and, and they, they spent a lot of time uh, drawing it out for, for me. Exactly, Not drawing it on, on a whiteboard uh, with, with the rink board. I've got one of those in my office, though. I like doing that every now and then, yeah. uh, pretending I'm a coach. But, uh, but really explaining how much that can help Vegas, even though it's 165 feet away from the net. Uh, so that there's a, just an idea for everybody that's that that's listening right now. First 15 minutes, it give you an idea of whether they're on their game or whether they got to find their game from that uh, aspect. Well, I, you kind of look at the the play in which the Golden Knights scored in game number one, and and if you want to know how it can impact the game, having those really crisp, effective exits. Look at that goal, right? It, it starts with with you know. Petrangelo Martinez, quick pass. Then you go out to, to Jonathan Marshall. So you're able to extend everything out. You go rink wide, and then you've got William Carlson chip into space with time and, and a lot of speed through the neutral zone. When you are able to connect those passes, when you're able to get out efficiently and quickly and get to a team before they're set up, it allows you time and space, and, and that's what led to the Golden Knights goal in that game. So, Well, it causes issues with the Winnipeg Jets not being able to change. Yeah, uh, It causes the, the Winnipeg Jets to allow more space because the Vegas Golden Knights are, are moving the puck uh, quicker. And, and the D-to-D -D pass, uh, I don't want to see a lot of that. I want retrieve the puck, take it from the goalie, move it up ice. That's a strong indicator. D-to-D -D pass allows the opposition to set up their neutral zone. Grab it, move it. But the winger, the wingers in this case, have to be in their spots early and tight. Yeah, you're you're right. The 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 exits and and to me the forecheck for the Golden Knights, those are the two areas, right? You, you got to be able to exit cleanly and when you put the puck in in you know, into the zone offensively and you're trying to utilize your forecheck to go back and get it you got to put him into the right spot. you got to keep it out of Connor Hellebuck's reach, and you've got to get there with speed. Do you like reading body language of a group? Are you one that uh, projects thoughts into a group? 
when I watched practice yesterday, uh, it was a loose group. Uh, Riley Smith and William Carlson were having a bunch of fun out there. They're two best players from game number one. Uh, but Chandler Stevenson w- was in on it. Uh, they were uh, having some uh, uh, goofing around time uh, during the course of the back end of the practice. I thought that was a good strong indicator that the team wasn't tight, mm-hmm. that they weren't thinking too much about game number one. Uh, do you agree with that, or do you think it has any effect on the performance? I don't read too much into body language, to be completely honest with you. I, I think that it's good, though, that you are loose, and, and it just, again, it goes to show that you know one game doesn't make a series, right? And you've, you've got players that have been through this before. It's not time to panic after losing game number one. There are... There are things that you can correct. The Golden Knights did not play a particularly strong game, but I don't think it's a situation where you have where you dwell on it. And I think that's the one thing when you're around hockey players day in and day out, the the ability to turn the page, the ability to just kind of park that one and and find a, a way to get your game back for the next one is is really astounding and I'm not too worried about, you know, from a body language perspective of of this team getting too high or too low. I think they recognize it's going to be a long road. That vibe from yesterday carried over to today. It was an optional practice, but you could feel it in and around the group. And that went right up to the head coach, who was as loose and conversational and, dare I say, funny as heck. In his meeting with the media this morning at City National Arena, here's Bruce Cassidy. Ben goes Las Vegas Free Journal. Uh, you talked about um, getting the forecheck going. Obviously, yesterday, uh, what's the key to getting that going off the hop tonight? Uh, face-offs for one. You start with the puck. That's always easier to get it behind them. Um, a little bit of puck support, playing together, connected, so that you get through the neutral zone and get a chance to get it behind them with some speed. So I think those are the first couple of things we want to take care of. Listen, if the ice is available in front of them, we can attack. We'd like to do that. We had a few looks doing that, but at the end of the day, most games start tight. Everyone's fresh. Everyone has good gaps, so that's usually the formula for us that's been successful, so we'd like to stick with it. Jesse Granger at The Athletic. Um, on that forecheck, um, a couple of guys have mentioned that maybe maybe the gaps between the forwards that are in on the forecheck and the defenseman wasn't tight enough um, and part of that is their forwards like coming out of the zone and them having to kind of get back on their heels I guess how do you combat that um, to, well, to get the, connected it's the original touch right if your five guys are fresh and you, you can't be in a line change or something happening down in your own end you need to be up right so when they have five below the circles that's when your D can get up and 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 help keep pucks alive because they don't have any speed coming out yet they haven't got the puck so coming out of D zone and off net shot um it's not always the original. If you're a hard remnant and they bump it back behind the net, that gives you a little more time to get up. So there's always circumstances you can be up as a group of five, and other times you can't. And that's when we got into a bit of trouble the other day when they, had, they were coming at us and we were in between changes and they were clean coming out, and they're good two-on-two with their skill. Their top six generated some looks. Now, we're a good rush defense team, so we got to be better on those. And we talked about that, how we can tighten up. And it's some of it's second effort by forwards then coming out if you're not successful. You can't get discouraged as a forward if you don't create a turnover in the forecheck. You just can't because, I mean, even a 50% rate is, is excellent. So you've got to stick with it and then get a puck back in the neutral zone. Well, how do you do that? The D have a good gap now because you're coming back. So when you give up a puck, it's all about where you get it back. You'd like to get it back in their zone, if not in the neutral zone. Sometimes you've got to go all the way back to your own end and break it out. That's hockey. So it's a little bit of that mentality that, 
but stay with it. You know, stay with it, stay with it. And eventually you get enough pucks back in the ozone. That's when you can break teams down. That's when we're at our best. Uh, that's when they get tired, dump it out. That's when your transition game starts. Or they get tired of playing their own end. They force a play in the neutral zone. And now we transition again. With some, that's when our odd man rush game usually comes into play. So it's all connected. And it's just having a little bit of patience. And I thought we started the game okay in that regard. And then it starts slipping away in the second period. The start of the second period, you know, we, we made some mistakes. It cost us, and now you're into their game. So now you don't see what we did well in the first period grow into the second and third. And that's ultimately what happens. So we have to, it's that 60-minute buy-in and build up that you know teams look for. We're no different. That's when we're at our best. <clears throat> Pretty much everybody in the room seems like there's not a lot of panic, like been here before. I just want to know, like, do you feel like that that level is going to raise even even after that one game? Well, I'd like to think our guys recognize that you can have an off game. You can in the playoffs. Um, we weren't the only team. I'm sure Colorado's sitting here thinking, you know, we, we need to be better tonight, and it goes, you know, through different teams, and that's the beauty of the playoffs. It's always their response. So. Guys have been here before. I mean, the series they played against Winnipeg years ago, they lost the first game. So some of them will draw on that in this room and that room. They're not going to want a repeat, and we would like a repeat. So, you know, that's the beauty of the new, the new year every year. So I don't think we're panicking. Um, we shouldn't panic. What we should do is make sure we're ready at puck drop to play the right way. That's what we should be doing, and that's our job to prepare them to do that, and that's what we're trying to get to. <clears throat> A lot of the guys the last couple of days just talking about there wasn't enough emotion from, from this room in game one. Is that self-policing from the players? Or I guess how do you make sure that doesn't Well, repeat? I just like to see the intensity and competitiveness come through. And, and emotion is usually part of that. But I don't think we're the loudest room to begin with, right? We're, we're not a group of, um, you know, Marshy will talk and Stoney when he has to. But they're, they're generally quiet going about their business, right? And that's... Like, let's take care of business by being competitive and winning our puck battles and winning our races. And the emotion will come into it because you'll make some plays and you'll score goals and you'll have big hits, and that's when the emotion tends to come out for us. It's not natural that, you know, it, it's, it's this noise from the group. It's just not who, who, who this group is. It doesn't mean they're not competitive as the next guy. It's just they're not all that vocal about it. So I would say, yes, emotion is part of it. Um, and... You know, we'll need to help doing that as a staff. I have to br bring some of that, and we do at times. But, I mean, to me, that's an internal drive that you take out on the ice. And to me, William Carlson's one of the most competitive guys I've coached, but he's not loud, he's not vocal. But, hey, if we can have 20 of that, that kind of inner drive, we're going to be in good shape. Gary Lawless, VGK. Bruce, if we were in your living room last night or two nights before. I would call the cops, Gary. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> if we were watching games with you, and you've been watching all these playoff games, what would we, what some of the things that have been going through your mind that from watching the games that we might hear from you? Oh boy, uh, I think it's different game to game. I watched, as you know, Shannon I had practice last night, so I got to be a dad first. But in be you know, between before and after that, um, the Edmonton game, I'll watch how well LA is checking. How are they reloading? How are they how are they trying to neutralize the McDavid's and the dry side of the lines by still being physical in their face, and, but not getting taking penalties, right? So that's what I'm watching a lot of when I watch 
that team because to me that's the formula to, to slow down that group and you know we're fortunate we play well enough to beat Winnipeg that's what we're getting so I'm going to pay extra attention if I'm watching the early games it's a little more the intensity the running around who's staying in position who's being physical without running out, out to, to, to get hits to, to expose themselves you're watching a certain level of that that's Carolina they play a high intensity game and I'm watching Florida and Boston early because I have prior relationship with Boston so how's Florida going to play play a good team and they played them physically last night without hurting themselves too much with penalties right so that's what you're you know as a coach I watch a lot of who's who's finishing every check who's working above pucks and making it hard for the other team to, to get gain traction the nice plays are there and of course I'm a fan I like to see nice plays but those are the things I'm watching as a coach who's kind of doing those little details taking away time and space the best uh, not really. I think there's some that are emotional or not. The camera's on them a lot. I know that sometimes you get caught up in it. Um, uh, no, not, not a lot when they're on. Are they teaching? Are they, you know, just into the, like, I'll tell you this, what's hard to do as a coach. It's hard in the middle of a game is to talk to every player after every shift and communicate mistakes, what they did well. Cause I mean, you got, you're thinking about your next line, who's coming over the boards, who's going well for us. Um, should I double shift in case I see a momentum? So there's a lot of that that goes on. I always found that the most difficult part is to actually communicate something to a player that takes time. So it has to be a message like work above that guy next time. Don't go, you know, head north, not west. Whatever the message, there's quick, simple messages. Um, but I like to watch when they put one on and he's losing it. Sorry, can I say that? <laughs> I, 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 sorry. <laughs> I thought we were, I, I, I don't mind that because it's entertainment too. And it's like, you know, I've been there and done that, you know. Um, and you wonder why sometimes. What happened to, uh, you know, usually you can tell quickly, but, you know, what was the call? What's being communicated? So that part's good. <clears throat> I'm pretty sure he was talking about Dean Everson. Mm -hmm. Right yep. there. Uh, the Minnesota Wild uh, had a tough one last night in Game 2 against the Dallas Stars. We'll get into that uh, in more detail in one-timers news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Uh, some things that he did talk about, though, in the course of uh, that media availability uh, was interesting. One, about his dressing room and how they're not the biggest rah-rah team. Mm -hmm. And you, you certainly know Mark Stone uh, outwardly outwardly in this arena the expressive mark stone yep. is very different than the mark stone that we see talking to or you see walking around the uh, the the facility uh this is uh this is a, a team that is very self-motivated they are they're they're incredibly self-motivated and I, I don't know that you necessarily need the big rah-rah speech or the outward uh generating of of emotion that way i think for everyone in that locker room, it's just go show it on the ice. And I think that, you know, bringing up William Carlson as an example of that, one of the most competitive, fiery com players you're going to, to come across, and yet there's not going to be a lot of talking with William Carlson. He's not going to raise his voice to a, a, a really high level. He's just going to go out there and give you everything that he has. And I think for the Golden Knights, you just got to make sure you show it on the ice. That's the most important thing now. Some guys just have it. They they can bring you the the juice on a pregame speech mm -hmm. or the the uh, hallway talk and and the support from guys and, and other guys just sound dorky when they do it. 
and you you never hear from them, and mm-hmm. it, it's it, it's weird. It's it, they can be some of your your greatest teammates, and they start uh, doing getting into that routine, and you're like, what are you doing, man? This is this isn't you. And other guys can be the 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 guy that plays the least, yeah. But he's right in there, and he's the biggest supporter, and just giving you all all of the all of the jam. What would you be? Oh, I'm definitely the dork. Yeah, I'm absolutely the dork. I would love to be able to give you the the fired up speech. Yeah. I would I would be uh, on on my highest mountain if I could stand in that hallway and do chest bumps and and give you the the quick one liners and here we go and let's go and feet to everybody's kicking and, and I, I would just feel dorky mm-hmm. and I know that people would look at me and go, what are you trying to pull off here? Being cool. Just stay in your lane over there. Yeah. We got this uh, for sure. Chapman, on the other hand, I could see Chapman being a king of the mm-hmm. hallway motivations or the uh, dressing room. I, uh, let's 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 go. Let's get it done. I would slow clap for Chapman for sure. That would be it. No, Bruce did say sometimes the coaches have to be yeah. that conduit to firing people up, and mm-hmm. and that can be one of two things. Great speeches before the game, reading the lineup card, and let's go. Hmm. And it can be uh, after a period or uh, in somebody's ear about motivation. Sure. And and fueling them uh, on that regard. Any more responses to when the Vegas Golden Knights, at what point tonight, the Golden Knights will hit the 17-shot mark, which was their total in game number one? Yeah, Megzi says seven minutes into the second period. Uh, Bethann says inside the final 60 seconds of the first period. Who's that, Bethann? Bethann, yeah. Uh, Jackson Rice, 1750 into the first period. So, again, uh, great minds thinking similar to me. Uh, Tony says 1130 into the second period as well. Brock says 12 minutes into the second period. So we're getting a lot of late first period, early to middle second period. Which, if you go middle of the period, that's 34 shots. If you're five minutes into the second period, uh, you're approaching 40 shots in that regard. Everybody, except for Shea Theodore's missing tooth, who is trying to be funny, and I disqualify that one. So everybody is on board that the Golden Knights are going to have a much more involved performance uh, Mm -hmm. tonight. Uh, We're going to get to tonight's action in the National Hockey League. Uh, Another four game twos, uh, three other ones uh, outside of this one at T-Mobile Arena. We'll tell you what's happening in New Jersey and the latest on the Toronto Maple Leafs and reflect a little bit on last night's action in the National Hockey League with one-timers. News notes from around the National Hockey League up next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Carlson left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for one-timers. One-timers. Quick looks at some of the biggest stories of the day on the VGK Insiders Show. Action already underway in the Stanley Cup playoffs on this night in the National Hockey League. Game twos in Toronto and New Jersey, where the Maple Leafs have a 4-1 advantage over the Tampa Bay Lightning, trying to even that set up at one win apiece. It was a frantic start for the Maple Leafs who led 3-0 after one. No Victor Hedman in the lineup for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm just gonna read to you. This is the blue line that the Tampa Bay Lightning been to three straight Stanley Cups. This is the blue line that the Tampa Bay Lightning are icing tonight. Mm -hmm. Hayden Fleury, Zach Bogosian, Ian Cole, Darren Radish, 
Sergey Mikhail Sergachev, and Nick Perbix. Mm-hmm. That's your lineup for the three-time uh, Eastern Conference champion, Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, that is what happens when you're really, 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 really good year after year after year, and then you get a couple of injuries. I don't know how much, and it'll depend on whether this game gets completely out of hand, yeah. uh, how much uh, Mikhail Sergachev really plays, but uh, he's upwards of, uh, he's headed for a, like a 28-minute night right now. It, it goes without saying, and hopefully Victor Hedman's back in the lineup sooner than later in this series because you want the best players to be able to play, 100%. But if Victor Hedman's going to be out for a significant period of time in this series and the Leafs cannot beat that defense core, it's never going to happen. Well, Tampa Bay, even if they don't win tonight, if they can keep it close and put some doubt into Toronto, like how did we not beat them by a bunch? That that might spill over uh, and, and affect uh, what happens in the psyche of the Toronto Maple Leafs. But the scorers for Toronto tonight, Mitch Marner, John Tavares with two, and William Nylander. Big guys going. Big boys answer back uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. The other game that's underway is in New Jersey between the Rangers and the Devils, and it was a lopsided opener in favor of New York. Uh, the Devils have the only goal in this one uh, as they are uh, at the end of the first period. Eric Halla has scored from Michael McLeod, and that, ladies and gentlemen, is interesting. Not just because he's a former Golden Knight, mm-hmm. but per our own Chris Chapman, oh, yeah. Eric Halla has now scored a playoff goal for six different teams. He has. Chapman, anything else to add to that, Chapman? I'm, I'm waiting on NHLPR to let me know how many active players had have, have done that. We know there were three who had scored for five. Paul Stasny, Pat Maroon, and um, obviously Eric Halla. Yeah. But I wonder if Halla stands alone. He does not, Chapman. Oh! Eric Halla is the sixth player in NHL history to score at least one postseason goal with six different franchises. Joining the likes of Jason Arnott, Matt Cullen, Doug Gilmore, Mike Sillinger, and Brian Smolinski. But none of those guys are active other than Hall. No, 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 no. The difference between active. You, the guys you talked about were active. Uh, he's the sixth player all time uh, to do it. Uh, Doug Gilmore. You forget how many different teams he played for yeah, uh, in the back end of his career. Jason Arnott was really good for a bunch of different teams. Uh, Mike Sillinger. That one makes sense. Because you think about uh, uh, him being traded basically every trade deadline. Who else was on the, on that list? We got Arnett Cullen, yeah. Matt Cullen. Oh, Matt Cullen. Yeah. Mike Sillinger, Brian I, I don't think of uh, Cullen being that good for that many different teams. And Brian Smolinski? Brian Smolinski. Oh, boy. Yeah. He could uh, he could hammer that puck. Uh, that's, uh, that's great stuff. Uh, other action tonight. Seattle takes on Colorado. You know what we're seeing here? What's that? A market correction. Okay. Hey, game ones. Yeah. The lower seeds. Yeah. The road teams. Yep. Went six and two. Mm-hmm. And that has uh, has changed in game twos. When you uh, evaluate Toronto having a big night already against Tampa, trying to tie that series at one. New Jersey out to a lead against the New Jersey Devils, trying to tie that game at one. And on the heels of of last night, where Edmonton and Dallas 
both answered uh, to tie their series up at one. The Oilers were pushed again and still not feeling comfortable, although Leon Dreisaitl is fantastic right now. He's been great. Edmonton found a way to win last night to earn the split in the first two games, and Dallas humiliated Minnesota. <laughs> Dallas did to Minnesota what you thought would have happened in the first game without Philip Gustafson's heroics, mm-hmm. uh, but Marc-Andre Fleury was not able to uh, put up the same type of performance last night, and, and Dallas has the smallest advantage, which is nothing, after two games by the most dominant performance in any team. Well, the advantage the Dallas Stars might have in this series is if the Minnesota Wild continue to rotate their goaltenders. Uh, it won't happen. I don't think it'll happen. Now this, everybody's talking about Dean Evison. Why is he doing this? I, Dean Evison, why is he doing that? Uh, I'm listening to you and I'm listening oh, to the commentators. It, you said it. You said I it said, early. No, 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 no. This is what I said. I'm I said if I, were, people. if I were Dean Evison after last night, I just simply wouldn't play Marc-Andre you, Fleury in the series. You put it on Dean Evison. This is not on Dean Evison. I, this is a relationship between the general manager and the player and the agent. Okay, that's why the player played last year ahead of Cam Talbot. That's why the player went in last night. This has nothing to do with okay. Dean Evison other than Dean Evison being the coach, and he's told by certain people or suggested by certain people that he should do that. I have a bias in this case of because you I do. know both sides of it. Uh-huh. I know what's going on on the player side of it, and I'm very aware of uh, Dean's predicament. But, but don't be putting this on Dean Evison. I'm not putting it. I'm just saying from this point forward, I'm if I'm him, all this stuff. I simply wouldn't do it. And and to, to your point, to your point, if I'm if I'm the general manager of the Minnesota Wild after last night's game, I'm not making that call to go back to Marc Andre Fleury. How about that? Know. Does that is that better for you? Uh, no, not really, because now you're thinking for Billy Garrett. And you don't have to put up with the tweets. Where's the tweet? I'm looking for the tweet. I'll be looking what, for the tweet. What tweet are you uh, talking about? The tweet. The tweet? Yeah, from the agent. Oh, yes. I'm sure I'm you know blocked. That's, you know Come that's on. coming. Uh, uh, Carolina, Freddie Anderson, <laughs> uh, missed last night's game with an illness. A couple other notes there. Uh, Carolina uh, is the only team with a 2 nothing lead right now. Yeah. Uh, they beat the New York Islanders in overtime. Tavo Teravainen uh, with a broken hand. Teravainen uh, with that broken hand slashed by J.G. Pajot and no penalty on that play and it was a very upset head coach in Rod Brindamore. Although I was again hearing about the performance by Rod the Bod at the podium last night in uh-huh. his post game. Yep. And then I saw it and I was underwhelmed. We 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 react to the smallest thing nowadays. Like that wasn't a tirade. That was just more a statement. We gotta refocus, ladies and gentlemen. A tirade needs to be explosive. You need to pound the desk. You need borderline profanity. You need all kinds of uh, run-on sentences. That was not uh, uh, a tirade. Um, also, uh, uh, want to mention that uh, did my workout today, Chapman. Oh, yeah. Thanks for the spot. Yeah, appreciate, yeah, yeah, no uh, problem. Appreciate you coming over. We we didn't go the full 240 today. Oh, you didn't, you didn't bench 240 today? But, but we worked. Uh, we started at about, one, was it 175? Oh, you started at 175? Yeah, like we, and then we went up, we went up to two. We didn't go any higher than two, and we were both laughing, Chappie. You oh, yeah, mentioned yeah. it first, saying, uh, 
These guys would love to see us right did now. You, oh, he's doing we 240, doing no problem, yeah. Brian. So hold on, hold on. One, listen, listen to what Jappy just said. No, 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 hold on. So 175, you start off oh, yeah. with a body weight well, bench press? Well, I, no, I do push-ups and do a big warm-up. But, oh, but, wow. but Chapman, okay, what did it. you say? You said that Oh, the, easily, easily yeah, getting up yeah, 240, easily. no problem. He just wanted to end off on that. Barely, uh, barely broke a sweat. Those are our one-timers, uh, news and notes from around the National Hockey League for this Thursday, April on Fox Sports Las Vegas. When the guy wouldn't stop talking, we had no choice but to give him his own segment. It's time for Catching Up with Chapman. My spotter on the bench press, here's Christopher. Hi, Darren. So, I guess it was announced late last night that it sounds like the Oakland A's to Las Vegas are a done deal. They're going to build their stadium right over on Tropicana, where it seems like there's the never-ending road work. But it's kind of funny, because I went to Depeche Mode a few weeks ago at T-Mobile, and I'm cheap. So, I parked somewhere else and Ubered (laughs) there, and then my wife and I walked back from T-Mobile to the place where I parked the car. And I go over in that neighborhood so few times like i'm never on tropicana for obvious reasons and i said when the hell did they demolish the wild wild west yeah because it's completely <laughs> gone and it's a dirt lot and they had the bulldozers out there so that's where they're going to build the stadium but clearly that plan was in was in motion for a long time but i guess i was i i, I had thought that there was a time they're going to put a legion stadium there but i think that's a great location i mean it it, it just it, it's perfect but I'm like, wait a minute, the Wild Wild West is gone? Like, I used to go in there on Sunday mornings and watch football like 20 years ago. I'm sure you did. Because I used to live pretty close to there. So I was like, ah, it's a close place. It's cheap beer. I'm going to go watch football. But Just just because I want to poke a little bit, uh, obvious reasons, Chapman, what might those be? What do you mean obvious reasons? You said you don't go to that. You don't go there. Oh, be, often well, because for of because reasons. because of all the the road work that's going on on the fifteen, oh, it's a disaster. Got it. got it. What a great sports neighborhood, though. <laughs> oh, fantastic! Mobile and a baseball facility. Well, how about a, a football stadium? I just hope if this actually happens, and we're still a long way from this happening. Yeah, they're saying like twenty twenty seven. But it's like even the even. Like signing the paper, how much money specifically, uh, state-wise, uh, are, is going to have to be put in? There's, Five hundred million. Some, uh, well, if they want to be here, I think that number's got to come down. Yes. But but if if they're going to build a baseball facility, make it 30,000 30, feet or people like thirty-five thousand. That's what they're doing. Yeah. Maybe. Like, hey. Maybe. That's maybe. On the uh, high end. Go maybe thirty thousand. Make it. Make it intimate and make the seats like uh, valued. Maybe John Shannon will come out and watch his Blue Jays. I know oh. he's a big Jays fan. Yeah, we love our Jays. That would be awesome. You would have so many Canadians. And you think it's bad sometimes for original six teams in, in uh, T-Mobile? Oh, we would dominate that. Bring back the Expos. La Expos. Uh, yes. Uh, who's your favorite Expo? Vladimir Guerrero? Rusty Staub. Yeah. All right. Uh, that's a pretty good one. I uh, love that one. Uh, that is a great throwback. Uh, we've got Ryan Wallace coming up. The pregame show. Game two, Vegas and Winnipeg on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Spot me, Chapman. Chapman.